Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For all the Potterheads out there, I'm sure you'll know this guest from her breakout role as Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter. This week, I'm joined by fellow Irish woman, Ivana Lynch, who is also one of the hosts of the Chickpeas podcast, which is a brilliant vegan-friendly podcast featuring guests such as Fern Cotton and fellow Harry Potter star Bonnie Wright, sharing their passion for plant-based. But Ivana's podcast recommendations are oh, so wonderfully varied and luckily include some new shows that I myself cannot wait to sink my teeth into including Not Today, Thank You, with Jake Yap, Juliet Allen in Authentic Sex, and the Yikes podcast that talk about all those yikes moments going on in the world right now. You know those? We chatted about Ivana's inspiration for launching the chickpeas as well, and how we can all be living in ways that are kinder and more compassionate to animals and the earth. So, without further ado, let's get cast away with Ivana Lynch. Ivana Lynch, welcome to Castaway. Thank you. Glad to be here. I love, love, love the idea of a podcast about podcasts. So great. I I know. And there's so many podcasts out there. And what I love is we're on series three now and I'm always surprised. There's always new podcasts I'm learning really? uh, about. Yes. And I thought we'd do one series and we'd run out of podcasts, but there's <laughs> there's a lot out there, isn't there, Ivana? There's so much. It's overwhelming now. Like I used to be the person who the minute a podcast I liked would come out, I would listen to it. And, you know, I had that routine, but you just can't do that when you listen to 10 podcasts. It's really, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. And I'm, sometimes I have to take a break and be like, I'm not going to be ruled by my podcast list. You know, like (laughs) there's other things in life I want to do. But yeah, it is amazing how there's just so many things to learn about and so many things, podcasts that like weird things that people are obsessed about and Mm -hmm. you just can kind of find these little communities. It's awesome. And I think sometimes you're surprised by what interest people. And I know you've yourself, before I talk about your recommendations, you yourself have brought out a few podcasts in the past and, you know, talking about veganism, you, you've spoken about that. And, you know, you're you're very active when it comes to the prevention of cruelty to animals, when it comes to testing and, and the beauty industry, as well as the food industry. But then also in the last few months during lockdown, you brought out a podcast that we probably we're surprised that Ivana Lynch uh, brought out, but not surprised that it happened because everyone it? was obsessed. I'm talking normal people, Ivana. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, geez, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that book and that TV show, the book captivated like all of Ireland and mm-hmm. the literary world. And then the TV show has just gone on to be so huge. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like, women are obsessed with Irish men now. And I'm like, what? what, what is this? It's so strange. Like people... They're almost fetishizing our culture a little bit, which is kind of nice because I I definitely grew up not hearing enough Irish accents on screen and not hearing, yeah, just people like me represented and and using terminology from American and and English like teenagers. And it's just was really nice to have a, a TV show where it's like, 
oh, we're not going to explain ourselves. We're just going to show our culture and how it is. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was so it was awesome. They they wanted Irish people to host the podcast and they got me and Riyadh, who's Riyadh Khalaf. He's awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun to just geek out about it. I don't know what's happening to you, but all my English mates are like, you have to introduce me to an Irish man. I'm like, not everyone is Connell. Yes. Although a lot of them are. They are actually. They don't say a lot. They are. I was because, yeah, all my girlfriends have been like, oh, my God, Paul Maskell. I'm just so in love with him. (laughs) And I'm like, just go to Ireland. They're all emotionally repressed. and (laughs) They're all like that. You know, they all have this like deepness to them, but it's very hard to get to it. And by the way, I'm not saying Paul Maskell is like that. I don't know. He's the actor because I didn't have that. I was like, no, he just reminds me too much of my brother. Mm. A really decent chap. But yeah. he's not sane enough. He's no. not very expressive. And yeah, I think it's really funny that that's now the thing. Definitely kind of goes with that quiet and mysterious vibe. But a lot mm. of people are into it. And and actually speaking just about what happened during lockdown with normal people as a show and say someone of the likes of Paul Maskell, who, who you mentioned there, kind of reminds me to what probably would have happened to you in, in that kind of instant fame. When you work on a film like Harry Potter, that's such a big film, you go from people not knowing you to everyone knowing you. And I feel that's kind of what's happened with Daisy and Paul with normal people mm. and kind of getting to grips with, with that fame. What were you surprised about when you filmed Harry Potter and you kind of went from being this girl from Ireland, got a big break in this big franchise, to then suddenly everybody knowing you and everyone thinking that you're Luna, that you're not uh, Ivana? Mm. Well, I will say it was a very different experience for me to what I see them going through because so on the podcast, we interviewed them a few weeks before the show went live. And I remember looking them up and they all, they each had about 5,000 followers. And then literally, you know, over the course of a few days, they had hundreds of thousands of followers and everyone was talking about them. And I didn't have that experience. Like, yes, you know, my dad looked up things like, oh, all the Google searches for your name, you know, and I have an uncle who's like a professor in UCD. And I remember <laughs> my mom saying, oh, Declan was Declan was very surprised to see that your Google search name has outstripped him by a certain number of, you know, <laughs> a certain number of searches. So things like that. But I wasn't like confronted with my fame. I had no mm-hmm. idea. There wasn't Twitter. You know, we didn't have even on the set, like everyone was Bebo was about around, maybe, but everyone was. Oh, taking- Bebo. Remember yeah. Bebo? Bebo was a big deal in Ireland for any like non Irish people listening to this because I remember coming to England. They're like, you're on Bebo. What are you doing on Bebo? <laughs> It was cool, I swear. It was, and it was fun. There was other damaging psychological effects to it too, but it was fun. But no, that was the only social media. And I I remember like, there wasn't even a problem with really pictures leaking behind the set because we all just had digital cameras and that was was it. So yeah, I didn't have that. And it was kind of, it's more over the years since I've come to terms with even the, the concept of people, you know, when they're like, you have a platform. I'm like, what? I just started this thing to upload pictures of my cat and the things I bake. And it's like, oh no, this is actually an opportunity and you can embrace it and you can step into it and you can use it for something bigger. So it was a very different sort mm-hmm. of thing. But I, I don't know. I, I think they're doing amazing with it. They're really nice people and they're humble and they're doing all they can. But I suppose the best advice I can give is like, do get therapy because it's so overwhelming and not many people can relate to the experience. And the thing that people will keep saying to you is, you're so lucky, you're so lucky, you're so privileged. And then you'll feel like you can't be struggling with certain aspects of it and your 
being ungrateful if you do. So mm. yeah, I think it's important to have someone to talk to about the challenges. I think when you mentioned therapy, it's so important to acknowledge those feelings as real feelings because whether you're Paul Mescal or whether you're, you know, someone in a job or in school or whatever it is, we all kind of deal with that kind of imposter and overwhelming uh, situations. Mm. One thing you mentioned there, Ivana, about your platform and you, know, you were given this platform from a very early age. And when you first went on Instagram, yes, you put like nice cute pictures up, but <laughs> you've also used your platform to talk about real issues that you care about. And podcasting is, I think, an incredible platform from someone who works on TV and radio. I love podcasts because you don't have 10 minutes to kind of say what you have to say. It's not mm -hmm. just a sound bite. It's a conversation. Yep. So you decided back in, I think, is it 2017? You've done it for a few years. Um, the Chick Peeps. Basically, it's your friendly, fun, weekly vegan podcast. And you you explore and discuss the dilemmas faced by vegans because a lot of people talk about why we should be vegan and mm -hmm. will understand why you should be. But there's difficulties to, to being a vegan. What made you decide to do this? Yeah, completely. For those reasons, because I, I always loved animals and I always was like, I disagree with the violence that they endure. I don't think I'm inherently better. And, you know, non-vegans will have a problem with that. Like that's a thing called speciesism where essentially you're saying, I don't have any more right to life than this animal. And I know that's an alien concept to a lot of humans. But anyway, that, that that's kind of, that was my core belief. But I wasn't vegan. I was vegetarian. And I didn't understand that, you know, animals are still suffering for things like milk. And, um, you know, a, a quick example is how like cows, in order to produce milk, they're, they have to be pregnant like year round. And they're on this cycle of, of having a baby, that baby's taken away from them. And then the milk is used when they stop producing milk, when they're quote unquote used up, they just go to slaughter. So I didn't know all this before. And I just thought, oh, vegans are radical. They're extreme. And then when I found out about this, I was like, right, I have to do this. I have to d dive into veganism because it's obviously my core belief. And it was like, it was, it was hard at first because it's like learning a new language, kind of a new way of cooking. And it's overwhelming at first, all the information, but it's not like that forever. And it just gradually sinks in and you make it your norm. And now it's just like, it's the least interesting thing about me, you know, like I shouldn't have to talk about my dietary choices the way most people don't talk about their dietary mm -hmm. choices, you know? And I just found with my friends, I was like, oh, we have a laugh, we have fun, but veganism is portrayed as so serious and preachy and that they're disapproving of everyone. And I really just didn't like this image. And at the same time, I was like, I see so many people who love animals and who want to help and who want to do better, but they feel alienated by the vegan movement. That's what the podcast is for, to be like mm -hmm. issues where there's nuance, there's a gray area and we have to discuss it. That's where we do it. So it was about a year and a half ago now that I just went, that's it, no more eggs, bye-bye eggs. And it's been amazing. It hasn't been as hard as I thought at all. And then my husband, who is a very all or nothing person, who was, you know, a meat eating guy was like, right, I'm going vegan too. And now he's like, just so into it, obsessed. And, wow. um, and he's done a year and a half as well and, and loves it. Oh my gosh. That's a great, yeah. that's a big win. Cause it's often the partner that like kind of pushes you one way or the other. So that's. Oh no, he's awesome. all or nothing. He's like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like he doesn't wow. want to be defeated. So, so it's almost competitive veganism in our house. Okay. <laughs> that's so <laughs> funny.
One thing actually you've mentioned there, and it's going to bring me straight into your first recommendation, um, which is the Yikes podcast, because you talk about podcasting. When you started doing the Chick Peeps, it was because you wanted to learn about something yourself. And I think there's a lot of people who sometimes are afraid to have the whole conversation around vegetarianism, veganism. So what I love about the Yikes podcast, this is for, do you ever just find yourself saying yikes about things happening in the world? So that's anything to do with what I've just spoken about, human rights, climate change, and just the messiness of everything going on at the moment is just overwhelming. And this is a space to chat about these things, no judgment, and just find hope in the midst of it all. Tell me a little bit about the Yikes podcast and when you start listening to it. Yeah, so this is a new podcast. I think it started in like April and I just discovered it a few weeks ago, but I really, really like it. So it's it's an intersectional podcast and these are all women who are discussing their intersectional approach to environmentalism. And in the last few weeks, they've been talking a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-racism work. Just to hear, yeah, these women speaking about intersectional activism. I really do. And I I hadn't realized that before, how important it is, because I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, we can each stay in our lane. And I do feel a real calling to vegan activism. And it takes enough of my energy and enough of my time. But it's just not going to be effective enough. It's not going to reach the most people if it's not intersectional, if I'm not thinking about other minorities. So yeah, that one, it's been really great, really informational, educational, and they're really honest. They're a great bunch. One thing that's been making both of us yikes a lot um, has been like the fragility of people who say that they want to do um, anti-racism work. And especially now just coming out saying they want to do anti-racism work, but then aren't comfortable or get defensive immediately as soon as someone calls them out on how that or how their behavior has been performative or problematic in some way Mm, yeah um like so much i think we both talked about this like in the zero waste or sustainability community in generally um like how it's okay for them to be calling out or dragging people Mm. across the internet for using a plastic straw um Mm. when like that's okay because they do it and they do it in the way that they feel comfortable. But then when someone else um, is saying th- something on the internet um, around, for example, anti-racism work, um, they they expect it to be in the way that they feel comfortable. I think I definitely, we both see it a lot in, um, in like the zero waste and kind of ethical living movement is like people are more than happy to call out other people on like their use of single use plastic or like yeah. their be- their behaviors that they deem to be problematic for the environment. But as soon as they, like these people who do calling out usually get held accountable for how they uphold white supremacy, it's suddenly like, but why can't you just be nice to me? Like, why can't you just call mm. me out in a nice way? Like you've really hurt my feelings. And it's all like centering that person instead. Um, yeah. And I think that, like, when we think about this, like, when people are like, oh, like, I just want to be called out in a nice way, realize that the reason that you've been called out is because you've harmed a community <laughs> and you've harmed mm. people. And so why in that situation is your priority your own feelings? Like, yeah. it shouldn't matter. Like, you, you, you should, it shouldn't, someone shouldn't have to call you out in a way that's, like, is comfortable suitable to you. and suitable to you. Because yeah. in a way, that is, like, white supremacy of you being like, I even mm. want to dictate the way in which you can hold me accountable for my actions. As you said, like it's a conversation, so you even feel like Michaela. Um, I think it's Michaela Loach who, who hosts it. Like you can kind of 
hear Michaela working and, you know, it's a narrative throughout the whole story because you don't really know. There's not like, I'm going to do this podcast and this is where the outcome's going to be. It's a conversation. We're all still evolving. We're all still growing. And, and I really like that as a concept for a podcast. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That we don't have it all figured out and don't know how mm. the best way to handle all these things. I think we've all been confronted with that in the last few weeks of like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing this right, but like do something, you know, it's in that, that they're really showing that and they're trying to dismantle these these oppressive systems and yeah they're figuring it out as you say you're right that's it It, it's showing up and I think a lot of people sometimes are afraid to say anything for fear of saying the wrong thing and I think Mm. having a space where you can have that conversation like I even had you know recently especially during the height of the I mean it's it's a constant thing but during the height of the protests in, in London for Black Lives Matters I had a friend who who'd had a comment on Instagram and she works in the fashion industry and she had done a few interviews with other people in the industry and every single person she did an interview with was white. And someone said, why aren't you being more diverse? And she hadn't even thought about it that way because she'd be the first person to say, I'm not racist. But she had to look and go, actually, my little bubble of people that I know was quite small. And why is it that way? Yeah. And she was, she was afraid to say anything online because for fear it would open her up. And I said, all you can do is acknowledge do you know what I've never looked at that before and you're right and I'm going to do my I'm going to do better but sometimes it's scary to know what to say in that situation I had similar thing to what your friend went through of like nobody's been picking on the podcast and actually I feel like we're quite lucky that our podcast was on break during all this because we have Mm -hmm. time to plan the next season and take all these things into account but I, I did think oh, the, the vegan movement is is largely white. And that's why most of our guests are white. We have some diversity, but not enough. And I mm-hmm. think I'd been like, oh, well, that's because they're not the ones doing the biggest work or something. And it's mm-hmm. not true. It's just been a wake up call to me to be like, if I really want to be an ally and if I want to be anti-racist, which I, I do and I am, I need to work harder to do my research and kind of uplift I've got to move on to another podcast, which is, I actually didn't know this one. Not today. Thank you. Oh, I love this podcast. Okay. Yeah. So this is another one I found in lockdown and I'm friends with Jake. Jake is a comedian, but I only knew him as like a vegan comedian. I thought that was his whole job, but he's just a normal comedian. (laughs) Such a specific thing. I just talk about veganism. Just those. Yeah. He's an actual comedian. Yeah. Because he does great vegan comedy and he has an article um, in Vegan Life every month. But yeah, I became friends with him and his partner Kim who's also vegan and she does these amazing paintings of cats and I just love them but anyway it's a really nice podcast because it's not about veganism by the way it's just fun and lighthearted. it's short it's like 15 to 30 minutes every morning he does it really early he does it Monday to Friday and I don't know about you but like in lockdown there's just been days where I'm like I don't want to educate myself right now I just want something (laughs) happy and lighthearted. and Mm -hmm. there were so many weeks where Jake's podcast was such a comfort he's just it's just so random and so creative and when I listen to that I'm like why is anyone else a podcaster because he's so brilliant and he's so Mm -hmm. quick-witted he's quick he picks things up he just has really funny views on things and he is incredibly talented musically and he'll just turn Mm -hmm. weird news stories into jingles and he makes it accessible to me because it's Mm -hmm. so funny and what I love about it as well I can't deny is that he will drop in veganism every now and then like he had a segment a while ago where he was talking about people's favorite snacks and they were all talking about things like bacon and I don't know other animal product things and I was like wow his audience is really not vegan at all Mm. they're just not but he's there 
I call it stealth activism, where he's just slyly dropping little hints and planting seeds. So I really love him for that. I don't know, man. I, I just feel like all you want is another ambiguous or intriguing soundbite to kick off another episode of a podcast about murders. You know, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember that night. You know, was it a beef burger or a man burger? From the National Radio Refectory, in association with 92.5 The Pine Martin in Denver, this is Yet Another Podcast About Murders. The summer of 2004 is hot, and that's the summer when Aaron met Leo. They were kids just completed their last year in high school. I'm doing that thing where I summarize them in a glib and dismissive way, like, yeah, I know these people, when probably says more about me. He was kind of dorky, not my type, but Aaron loved him, you know the drill. Low self-esteem, grateful for any attention. They drive around, watch movies, buy Slurpees at the 7-Eleven, get a gigantic rubber bulb and turn it into an icy enema. Stuff kids do when they're in love. Aaron had a job in Bed Bath & Beyond, and, you know, it was a job, no big deal. She'd show up, be nice to customers, smear things on the towels as she put them into bags. The stuff kids do at work. But then there was a murder, and it was definitely by this guy. Except, was it? Except, yes, probably. Except we need to crank out 10 episodes of this, so no, not necessarily. When I listened to it, I was like, oh, I, I know, how do I know Jake? And I realized, anyone who listens to Charlie Brooker's Weekly Wipe on Radio 4 and then Six Music, you might know him from that. But uh, as you said, it's, it's kind of like a daily digest of the news, the sketches, mm-hmm. there's music, and... It's just fun. Like I, and so what I fun. like from looking at your podcast list, like you've got quite a mixture in there. Like there's not one specific type of genre. Like you really are quite broad. So I'm assuming you listen to these at different times, depending on how you're feeling. Yes, that's a, that definitely. So Jake is the one at the moment I listen to it every day when I get up. And I think it's been so important because, you know, in lockdown, we don't have a routine. We don't often have a reason to get up other than like some, you know, self-made goals. And I I love love a self-made goal. (laughs) Yeah, it's important to get those vision boards out. So his knowing that I have that to wake up to when I make my breakfast, it's just like it's a really good routine for me. So, yeah, his would be the one I listen to at the moment. And and then, yeah, I do. I have phases where I'm like, right, I want to get educated on this matter. And then other times where I'm like, I just want somebody calm who has a nice energy and who makes me feel calm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Any podcast you listen to, you will naturally learn something new, be it like a fun podcast, be it, you know, one specifically about veganism, be it a a political one, even be it something that that's more of a drama or like a crime thriller or whatever it may be. Um, The next podcast I have learned a lot from, and it's the Authentic Sex Podcast (laughs) with Juliet Allen. I learned things I didn't know that I needed to know. and it incredible? So I'm just going to, for anyone who hasn't listened to it, I'm going to just... going to call it some of the titles of some yeah. of the podcasts that have Go already existed uh just to kind of give you an idea one is like six things every man needs to know about sex with women and that is very important for men and women because I was like I didn't know that about my own body <laughs> um, actually I want to ask you this one because I I mean I grew up in very Catholic Ireland yep, I went to yep. a convent um, this is why I love it so much though Oh, I had sex education by a nun, Ivana. Like, basically, I'm not even joking. <laughs> Classic. And there is one podcast, I think it might have been quite early on, um, Five Things I Wish I Was Taught in High School Sex Education. Wow. And I was like, and like, I, 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 I want to put that question to you. Five things you wish you knew that you, you didn't learn when you were younger. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Or even just give me one thing. <laughs> I have one. A hundred things. One, the orgasm. That was mm-hmm. never discussed, especially the female orgasm. It was like the idea that sex ends when a man orgasms. That's it, yeah. done. Like that, I learned that from the films because that's totally what it like he made the noise and it was done. Yeah, but it's so limited. And so in Juliet's podcast, she talks even about like practicing. And by the way, I'm single, so I have to take breaks from this podcast because sometimes it makes me feel really lonely. But and also, is- you, you were doing a podcast about normal people. Between that and this, <laughs> you have a lot of sexual frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But like. Yeah, her talk, she talks about like non-ejaculate sex and how mm-hmm. it's like conserving your energy. And that's a thing that's discussed in, in yoga as well. I think they call it prana. I might be getting this wrong. But like, I remember I did a yoga teacher training course years ago. And in one of like oh, wow. the books, the sutras, it was talking about like practicing, uh, yeah, preserving like your sexual energy, not ejaculating. And I think it was aimed at men, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's so true that it's like, energy and it's creative energy and it can be used in other ways and yeah it's very it's it's like a very patriarchal way of viewing sex to think that it ends when he's happy you know Mm -hmm. as I've been listening to it it's like really opened my mind but yeah I just didn't I think it's not just sex in Ireland Mm -hmm. it's like indulgence anything that's pleasure for you that's like even I think a lot of Irish people think have this idea that work should be hard and you should hate your job mm-hmm. a little bit and it should be nine to five and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it, this whole idea of like too much pleasure is sinful, is wrong, is you should be ashamed of yourself. I really, I resent that. And I think this podcast like showcases that it's just the antithesis of that. Julia is so mm-hmm. much about sensuality and not just in your sex life, like living in a sensual way, like, because she sees as, you know, the sacred feminine has been repressed. We've all been kind of taught and programmed to live and work and have sex like men, you know, Mm. go, go, go and hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's not the right way. It's not our full creative potential. And yeah, I find her so amazing and informative, but I also find her hilarious because she'll just sometimes be doing a podcast and she'll just go and she'll just sigh and she'll just go, "Mm," you know, (laughs) it's just like (laughs) no other presenter or podcaster does that. Like podcasters are afraid of the sound of silence. They're like, oh, silence, got to fill it with something funny and entertaining. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she just sits there making sensual noises. And I just love it. 
Uh, do you want to just tell people a really short version of what you're doing in the world at the moment so mm. that there's a bit of context to yeah. why you're here? Yeah. What is this feminine healing guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my work really looks at supporting women to come home to themselves. So really embracing their feminine essence, their radiance, their creativity, their sensuality. Um, and I do that through body work. So quite a lot of yoni and womb healing work in, in person. So using different tools of massage and energetic healing to clear away stagnant energy that might be blocking women from really accessing their their pleasure potential and their you know their power ultimately I think our sexuality is yeah it, we can't separate that from from how we show up in the world and how we show up with our power in the world so mm. it's really looking at how we can use um yeah embodiment to mm. to come back and really reclaim all parts of ourselves mm. and then i also work with women online and do different workshops and and other offerings that that look at these similar realms of sexual healing to support women to just feel their most juicy sensual delicious selves mm. it is incredible and i'm sure it's not just growing up in ireland this happens in so many different places but the whole functionality of sex and I know I even talked to my girlfriends recently who um, are now maybe trying for a baby some are and some are and I was like I just was taught that you look at a boy and you get pregnant you know and like that like just don't even go near them that you, like there was all these rumors going around no one ever clarified anything for you you're embarrassed to ask the question because mm. you were thought that's a stupid question so you would never even ask the question and you'd spend your life not knowing how things work and just the whole thing of like tuning into our bodies we're never taught to do that that our bodies mm -hmm. have like wisdom and these inner cycles and things and like Julia talks a lot about using yeah your cycle to create and manifest like some of her stuff is out there Laura like it's mm -hmm. <laughs> it can't be a bit well like she talks about she does like blood rituals with her menstrual blood every month where she'll manifest and she uses like she uses those cups those moon cups mm. and she anoints herself with her own blood and talks about what she wants to call in and it's just like wow, you know, it, I'm just, I've been raised and conditioned to think, oh, get that out of the way. That is disgusting. And mm -hmm. she's there just like slathering herself. Well, I don't think, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it's quite that, but like, even I was listening yeah. to one of her podcasts yesterday and she was like, yeah, she was talking about a moon cup and she was like, oh, you know, you don't have to use it in a ceremony. You can just water your plants with it or just throw <laughs> it in your garden. And it's just like, she didn't even entertain that you would just flush it down the toilet or in the yeah, bin or yeah. something. She was like, you know, if you don't, if this is too out there for you, then just water your plants with it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's very, very empowering and very cool. Yeah. Really inspiring too. And I even just, it makes me even kind of look at myself. Like I'm probably not at the stage of getting my moon cup and just slathering the blood around the place. Although Kim Kardashian uses her own blood to give herself a facial. So I'm sure it's great for oh my skin. God. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still at that stage. Like I'll put like a tampon up my sleeve to go to the loo. Do you know yeah. that kind of way? I'm, mm -hmm. I still do that. And I like, I listen at this, this woman, Juliet, and I'm like, I'm so inspired. Like I'm not at that stage, yeah. but I love I love getting something from it. And maybe it will make me go Sinking. next time. Yeah. Maybe I'll tell people, actually, I, I'm just going to change my tampon. That's that's what I'm doing. Maybe. So you know. yeah, maybe that's your next step for like yeah. sexual liberation. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm excited oh. for you. Do you know what? You've given me a lot to think about. Good. A lot to think about. And if you wanted to think about more about that, it's the Authentic Sex Podcast. Juliet Allen, she's a sexologist, which is probably one of the coolest job titles. Do you think she writes that down like on her passport? What do you do? Sexologist. Oh, she's so proud of it. And she she's so, she's great because I feel like she's done almost everything like she's with a man now but she's had so many different types of sexual relationships Mm so I really trust her and she's also like she's really sexual she's she said at some points like oh yeah I have sex almost every day and I'm like wow you're an expert totally yeah Um, and she does. Yeah, she shares her own personal experiences. And I think that's really important with podcasts as well, that you do kind of have to give a bit of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Exactly. You've got to relate to people. We're going to stick along the maybe sexual side of things with podcasts. Oh, yeah. And imagine if your dad wrote a dirty book, you know, like most people would probably just be mortified by it, you know, like ignore it, pretend it never happened, never speak of it again. But not Jamie, um, Jamie Morton. Instead, he decided, this is a few years ago, because this is a long running podcast. Mm. He decided to read it to the world. And this podcast has picked up so many awards. It's my dad wrote a porno. It basically does what it says on the tin. His dad wrote a porno, got his friends involved, James Cooper, uh, my pal Alice Levine, who's brilliant. And it is one of the funniest podcasts oh, so good. going out there. How long have you been listening to this one for? I probably started, I didn't start from like the star I probably listened like two years ago but I listened to them all I was obsessed it's so good it's so good it's so funny it's just like the perfect mixture of like the three of them together are so funny and engaging and smart and and I just am so charmed by the character the real life character Rocky Flintstone I think he's amazing (laughs) he's so like his devotion to his craft, even though everyone's mm-hmm. like laughing at him and like his son and friends are literally, they've made a whole podcast ridiculing his, his writing, but he mm-hmm. still it doesn't dampen his spirits at all. He loves it. He encourages it. He sees it as flattering and he just keeps trucking on. And I'm just like, what an amazing artist. And like, the thing is with the writing, like it, <laughs> in some ways it's terrible, but in other <laughs> ways, like, it's so imaginative. You can't predict the next sentence or even the way his turn of phrase. It's like he speaks ing- English in a different way. And so you're kind of like, well, is this bad? Or is it mm-hmm. genius? Has he created his own genre that is so, so entertaining? Yeah. I think he's, is it five books? I think it's five books now. Yeah. That, I think they're on book number five at, at this stage. And it's one of those things growing up, like you don't really want to think about your parents having sex, let alone writing about sex. And it's, you know, but you do, it's quite, I, I love how they've kind of taken this on board and they run with it. And I, I would almost be like, I'm, I think that's quite a cool thing for your father to do. Mm, yeah, exactly. And that he's so free to talk about mm-hmm. these things. And he is like educating people, even though it's like, oh, yeah. sometimes he doesn't really know what's going on with the female anatomy. I feel but, like he needs to listen to Juliet's podcast sometimes. Oh, he would mm-hmm. love it. He would definitely he would love it. He would gain a lot from that podcast and he'd, he'd have more ideas for stuff. Not that he's lacking for ideas, but... I can't believe there's been five books. Like, I mean, he's I not know. running out of ideas. So the title is... Belinda blinked for semicolon, colon. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I think that might be a genuine typo. <laughs> An erotic story of sexual prowess, sexy characters, sexy characters, <laughs> and even bigger business deals. Even bigger than the other three. Whilst the darkness increases. Semicolon. <laughs> Keep following the sexiest oh, sales. Oh, over. God, double semicolon. 
Is this the book? New line. Keep following the sexiest sales girl in business as she continues to earn her big, huge bonus. Big, huge bonus. By being the best at removing... Her tight silken stockings. Further into the darkness. What does that mean? As in, like, it's after the summer solstice, so we're getting, the nights are getting darker. <laughs> yeah, clocks have gone back. <laughs> it's autumn, basically. That's all it means. It's set in the autumn. I love that he thinks as well. He's like, you do three books for the fourth, you have to start going darker. He's taking a leaf out of, like, the Batman series and things like that. And He's, Fifty Shades, right? That's darker as it goes on, is it? Well, one's called Fifty Shades Darker. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so is this his dark night? Oh, do you think it's going to go really, really Noir. Steels is going to be plunged into chaos. It's going to be a den of iniquity like Gotham City. Yeah. I mean, it is a den of iniquity like <laughs> yeah, Gotham City. <laughs> Belinda is a femme fatale. <laughs> she will stop at nothing to sell the last batch of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, right. You have to read the blurb. Go on. Yeah, okay. From Rocky Flintstone, Ooh. the self-published author... Very much self-published now, yes. He's legally obliged to say that. All of publishing got together to demand that he put self in front of it. Seriously, still self-published after four books. Well, he is also a published author, but just not for this book. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But he found fame that way. He's going to stay true to his roots. (laughs) From Rocky Flintstone, the self-published author who put the rot in erotica. Well, that's true. That's true. I think that's actually a quote from, like, The Guardian or something. <laughs> Meaning it's rotten to the core, like it's stagnant and, and it's and it's kind of moulding. Yeah, most authors would take offence to that. He's um, reclaimed it. Very much a badge of honour for my dad. I find Belinda so fascinating because I'm like, I think she might be a robot. Because you know, she just kind of, she doesn't really have many emotions. She's so cheerful uh-huh. about all the sex she has to have. I think it might be... Have you seen that movie, Ex Machina? Yeah, with the robot with um, Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander. Yeah. And like, she tricks uh, Donald Gleeson's character to fall in love with her and she's so mm-hmm. convincing and then she like locks them all in their house and she goes <laughs> off to conquer the world. I kind of think Belinda. that might be happening in Belinda, that she's just working her way through everyone sexually, getting them on her side, and then she's going to take... She's going to... like Because it's just... She's just not a real human. There's no way. <laughs> this this podcast is hugely successful so much so it's traveled the world with live performances i think they've even been in like sydney opera house and, mm, and, and it's royal crazy to, albert hall royal albert hall and they just they brought it to what do you think of like podcasts going from i guess going from being in your ears to like someone in a small studio recording forever to then that live audience feel because i think it works it does translate because it's that community it's almost like a live gig of all these people just loving this one act yeah um I get, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Sometimes it does work, but I really love the intimacy of yeah. um, a podcast of someone like, it's almost like you're in their own head when you're in mm-hmm. their studio or their bedroom or whatever. And I like feeling like it's, there's like, it's a private moment. The same way I don't like reading, like I much prefer reading books offline mm-hmm. than reading because you can read just as much online and research things, but it, it almost feels like it tunes out the world for me. And then, so when you have a live podcast, I feel like that's great for the audience. And I would like, I like attending live podcasts, but mm-hmm. I don't like listening to them as much. Yeah. Mm. Actually, speaking about live podcasts, um, and it'll bring me on to your next podcast. And he's been a guest on this show is Blind Boy, uh, the Blind Boy podcast. And when he came on, he was on series one and he talked about doing, because he does his show live sometimes, but he was saying he always, 
he prefers doing the ones where it's just him chatting away. Mm. And he doesn't even have like a guest. It's just him chatting and chatting <gasps> and chatting. And I, I always feel like a smarter person when I, after listening to him. And he's so, he speaks so eloquently. And I don't know when you first heard of Boing Boy, but I know him because of Rubber Bandits, that mm-hmm. band. And then I remember stumbling across him at a festival. I was Body and Soul Festival. And he was doing this whole talk on toxic masculinity. You know? Oh, wow. Well. And my ma- my mother was with me. She was like, oh, it's your man with the plastic bag on his head because he wears a plastic bag on his head. And we sat and listened to him for an hour. And it was just so mind blowing because it was particularly during the Me Too movement. And he spoke just from a male perspective, but was such an ally to women. And that's when I started listening to his podcast. How did you kind of fall upon it? I don't remember exactly when, funnily enough. It was kind of just like everyone was talking about him yeah. and and my dad's from Limerick as well so I think mm-hmm. I was probably like missing home <laughs> and did your, dad sound, did your dad sound like my boy <laughs> he's not his accent is not quite as thick but yeah so I was like oh it, it definitely gave me that comfort but then like you I was blown away by how much knowledge he has mm-hmm. he is so I don't know like does he just spend the whole time reading like he's mm. so incredibly knowledgeable I mean the fact that he can talk about these things for an hour and a half easily by himself with no prompts it's really amazing like I wish he was my history teacher and he kind of is now <laughs> like mm-hmm. he does he, te- he he teaches you he goes into history but it's not just that he knows things he's an incredible storyteller and like mm-hmm. that's something that is in our culture like yeah being able to tell stories and make information colorful and accessible I like all this history stuff but I especially love when he's telling random stories like did you hear the one about the goose with the shoes there was like this famous this famous goose who like (gasps) yes I know exactly yeah yeah tell tell the story yeah oh I don't I I, I wouldn't be able to tell it no go listen to blind boy tell it but it's like Andy this famous goose I think it was Andy I think it was Andy and he had shoes and it was a murder story basically because this famous goose was murdered and Mm -hmm. I don't know there wasn't justice but I love how he talks about little creatures he's so so colorful and yeah it's lovely but then in 1991 Jean gets a phone call because Andy has been missing for about 24 hours now it wasn't that strange because like Andy's a goose so he's like I'm gonna fuck off for a day and do my thing and Jean was like I get you Andy just you know tie your shoelaces whatever but this time Jean was like Andy's been gone too long Andy's been gone too long. And a phone call rings him up and says, Is Andy okay? Because the voice at the end says, The reason we're saying this is because there was a group of people metal detecting. And they were in a they were in a park quite near your house. And they found a dead ghost. But the thing is with this particular ghost that they found, he was also wearing wearing child's shoes. He was wearing Nike shoes. And Andy just drops the phone at that moment. Jean rushes out. It's too late. It's so funny just as you're saying there, because me and my other half, we listen to it, but we don't listen to it together. So like every week when it comes out, whenever we go for a run or whatever, we listen to it separately. And I'll say, have you listened to Blind Boys yet? And uh, he, I remember my, my other half was said, 
what really annoys me is I can't tell someone what I've just heard because I listen to everything. I've learned all these things. Blind Bill will tell an amazing story and I'll be like, oh, what story? He'd be like, oh, there was a man and then yeah. he went and the shot. Yeah. I was, but hold on. I, like, yeah. You need to listen to Blind Boy tell it because I'm just ruining it yeah. because he's such a way with words. Like he just, it's like he swallowed a dictionary, but he mm. also, he's so sensitive to every every subject. And there's also the ASMR, the sounds. He uses sounds, even the plastic bag, the movement, the vape, when he inhales the vape and exhales, I feel like I've had the breathing exercise. Yeah, totally. And- oh my God, though, can I just say, because he's been really great about telling people lately, wear your mask. And he he says, it was so funny. He was like, it's just underpants for your face. It's just keeping the piss <laughs> of your spit away from people. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. I am aware there's still a few I kind of want to mention before I let you go because there's such <laughs> great ones here. They're the kind of main ones that you've mentioned, which are, I mean, incredible ones but there's a few others I just want to mention and one is I'm a huge fan of Anna Faris um, and Qualified and I just want to mention this because it's a fun one and um, basically Anna Faris the actress kind of answering you know problems from the general public but she is absolutely unqualified to do so but Mm. she does and she gets guests involved as well I I love it it's a really fun podcast with heart yeah Mm -hmm. hostess a host I don't know and yeah I love it it was one of the first ones of all those that we've talked about I've mm-hmm. been listening to it for a really long time and just love her style like she's really open and she's really sweet and it's just really funny and she plays like these improv games with her guests and mm-hmm. you know she's using her talent as an as an actress and a comedic actress and it's just so funny sometimes and it's not your standard interview format of mm-hmm you know, I have to ask all these questions so we can promote your project. It's like whatever the guest is promoting is like very much an afterthought. And yeah, she has, she has her guests called in and they talk about their relationship problems and it's just, yeah, she's not a therapist by any means, but she's trying to give really responsible, you know, helpful advice. Yeah. It's just great. What's a quality you dislike in others? Don't they always say the quality that you dislike in others is the quality that you dislike in yourself the most? Or it's a reflection of mm. something that, well, first, what was the thing you guys like? You guys both skirted out of that. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm really, really curious. And I like that about myself. I love knowing my nice college roommate told me, she, she said, which I take as such an extreme compliment. She said, Anna, you could talk to anybody about their sock drawer and you'd mm. be interested. Mm-hmm. And I feel that That's way. Beautiful. Like I, mm-hmm. I think so, too. And and I think that creative types have to be curious, though, too. And I, I like learning. I like, like about anything about, you know, whales that go through menopause. <laughs> <laughs> But what's so interesting is what a contradiction that is with the thing that you don't like. Because it's like, like the very nature of, you know, not getting back to people, not being mm, available. Mm-hmm. Is It's interesting how we have these things that are like so contradictory. It's one of those as well. I kind of want Anna Faris to be my friend. Do you know oh what you listen God, to? Like, oh, I could call, I could call you up at two a.m. and be like, "Oh my God, he's really annoying me. What should we do about yeah. this?" And I'm like, "I wish, I wish I had her number and that she could help me out." Oh my God, I'm sure you can make that happen. You can manifest that friendship. <laughs> you should do her podcast. But yeah, she absolutely yeah. like I do. I listen to her and I'm like, we would definitely be friends. <laughs> I totally agree on her on so many things. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I want to be. I want to be your friend, but, but she also, I noticed that with every guest she has at the end, she's always like, I love you. You're my new best friend. I'm going to call you all the time. And I'm like, oh, Anna, it's not sincere, is it? Like <laughs> she, she, and I think that's what is the beauty of her as a presenter is that she 
gets to befriend people really quickly. She's really, yeah. really warm and there's a, a real vulnerability about her. And it's just, yeah, she gets these really deep connections quickly. I think if I, you know, ever do anything with her, I'd love to have her on this podcast. And and she says, oh my God, let's be friends. I'd be like, okay, I'm coming over to your house. Yeah. What is your number? We are friends. You've said it. I don't care if you say it to all your guests. We yeah. are now friends. Yeah, exactly. And she's so great. Like, I feel like she broke down this wall between celebrities and, and just... Mm-hmm. What do, you, what do you say, fans? She really doesn't mm-hmm. care about that. It's not about, right, we're going to be over here podcasting about stuff and you're going to listen. Like she involves mm-hmm. just all her, her fans and other people. And, and because she's such a big like star, she's in Hollywood and everything. That's just, that kind of wasn't a thing before. I feel like she was mm-hmm. one of the first to do it. And even the way on her podcast, like she has people over to her house and her son is running around in the background and yeah, she's just really real. She's great. And I know you've spoken before about like the fandom and like, you know, sometimes pe- fans put you on a pedestal and think you're like some sort of God. And, and I love that like, she's just very real and normal. As I said, she's a mom and podcasts have done that. I think with a lot of people where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just a human person with problems like we all have. Yeah, exactly. And going through them as you're doing shows and stuff, like mm-hmm. she went through her divorce I think when she was doing the show and like she was very classy about handling that and without being dishonest or anything so Mm -hmm. and yeah seeing that it's like oh wow there like there's all this stuff happening behind the scenes and there's so much more to people than what you actually see and that you think you know through their work or their podcast it's it's not it's never the full story. So, yeah. I would think if we if we worry about ourselves and let everyone else do that, True, you know, rather exactly. than worrying about what yeah. we do, what we put out there. Um, Ivana, I've absolutely loved this. Uh, I've actually talked to you all day. There's some yes. great ones there. You've opened my eyes in many ways. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thank you for that. Thank you. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.